Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. You ever uh, watched a, a show or a movie and uh, the house or uh, apartment, condo, whatever it is that they're living in, and you just think, oh, man, I would love to live there. Right. You know, like the Rosebud uh, Motel in Schitt's Creek. Yeah. Uh, place. <laughs> love, to, love to have that place as my house. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know, like Iron Man, um, the uh, the home that uh, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. yeah. That's a pretty good place. Yeah, his place is pretty nice. Yeah. We were talking about Meet Joe Black before, and the, the house that Anthony Hopkins has, and the condo. He's like, he goes right. helicopters back between them. He's a right. billionaire. Yeah, yeah. Whew. Good way to live. Uh-huh. So some numbers were put together on some uh, beautiful places and what it would cost you to own. Like, for example, the Ice Castle in Frozen would run you about $3.5 million. Okay. Yeah, um, the heating bill would be expensive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Rosebud, as mentioned, the Rosebud Motel in uh, Schitt's Creek, $3.5 million. Is that what it went for? I thought it was for sale recently. Maybe that's what it's sold for. Ah, no way. That seems pretty high. Well, it is. You know, it, it comes off of a TV show that was very successful. Right. So the claim to fame. Well, you went up and visited, right? I have not gone by it. Okay. No, I know it's it's it was between. Was it like Goodwood or something like that? The, something? the town they filmed in yeah. is, is Goodwood, but the hotel itself is like between here and there in Caledon, I All believe. Right. I know somebody's probably going to text us and tell us exactly where. Yeah. Um, the Mansion in Knives Out, that movie with uh, Daniel Craig, which is really good. And they're doing a Knives Out too, I believe. Uh-huh. That goes for $3.4 million. Go back to uh, Monica's apartment and Friends will run you 1.9. Yeah, that was always a quirk to that. I mean, working in a coffee shop. Yeah. A lot of jobs here and there. And, you know, you're living in some Manhattan a, a condo. Yeah, two, two bedroom, right? And a balcony. Right. And, oh, yeah. I, I think 1.9 million is probably cheap. It's certainly in Manhattan. Right. Now, the twist they said in that is that the condo had belonged to her grandmother who had passed oh. away and they kept it in the family and she moved in. It's like rent control. Yeah, yeah. One of those. The Home Alone House, which was beautiful. That another <clears throat> online uh, discussion board is mm. how they afforded that house and trips at, at Christmas time, right. no yeah, less. Right. Yeah, a friend of mine was telling me he's got family in Europe and uh, they were planning on coming for Christmas and it was going to run them three grand for two people to fly. And then so they decided, well, we'll just stall and come in January. Yeah. 900 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> But there's no markup. No, not at all. Uh, the Downton Abbey, the home, the mansion. Yeah. $179.2 million. Holy cow. Actually, speaking of mansions, I saw this thing on Facebook. Uh, some woman, you know, like you read these uh, Toronto real estate uh, postings. Yeah. And some woman was looking at a downtown nothing kind of home. Uh, was going for like close to $2 million or something. She... um. She thought, you know, what could I get uh, for this kind of same money? And she looked to Europe, and she bought like a a mansion in Scotland, yeah, or France. Like I think it was castle, France, basically. a castle for less yeah. than this. And, and 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 of course, she had to dump money into fixing it up, and God knows how much that cost, right? But she bought herself a castle in France for the same uh, amount of money as a. Semi-detached oh in Toronto. I was driving down the 407 yesterday, and it was passed by a McLaren. Yeah. Like, you know, and these things, you know, the only time I've ever heard of one elsewhere is on the Formula One track. Right. 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 And I, I remember as a kid, 
I think I had a poster of a Lamborghini, mm. but I never ever saw one right. driving around. And now you do. Now I know people who own them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just amazing how, like, there's money out there. A lot of I it. don't have any of it. Well, I think it might be a lot of line of credits. Uh, wow. I was at a wedding a, a couple of weekends ago, and uh, there was a kid, literally a kid, like, I think he's probably 25, maybe, pulled up in a brand new Corvette. Right. That car costs more than my first home. (laughs) (laughs) It's cuffing season. We're lucky. You enjoy cuffing season? I have no idea what you're talking about. Cuffing season is the uh, the begins in October, and it's where single people pair up for a few months before ending their relationship in the spring. It is uh, sometimes so you can get through things like Christmas and other family events without being uh, bugged. As to why you're single. So you, you basically cuddle up over the cold months. Okay. And then go your separate way. I enjoy cuffing season. <laughs> right. I've, I've been known to cuff occasionally. Well, whoever you're cuffing with, mm. uh, cause cuff when I was growing up was like a punch. A slap, like, yeah. Yeah. I'll cuff you. Right. So, uh, it'll, you'll start cuffing season now. And then when you want to end cuffing season, she'll start cuffing you. That's right. Well, this is why there's some rules to cuffing. Figure out what you want, it is said. Be honest with yourself about what you want and whether a temporary relationship will be fulfilling. If you want something long-term, cuffing probably isn't for you. Consider just how deep you're willing to get, since there will be a likely a, an expiration date on your relationship. Uh, relationship. Check in with yourself and the other person on how things will work. Will you bring them around to your friends, your family? There's no right or wrong answers, but you should be on the same page. Somehow I see this isn't going to end well. Right, no. This is a, this is all the makings of a rom-com. Yeah. What starts off as, let's just cuff. Yes. Which sounds like a business relationship yeah. early on. Yeah. This is a, a full-on uh, rom-com, I would think, where some woman's brought in and you know, signing contracts. A wealthy man just wants to cuff for the season. Don't let the pressure get you. It's a bad idea to cuff with someone just because you're super lonely. And check in occasionally, even if you're both totally upfront about wanting a short-term thing going in. At some point, the line between casual fling and taking it to another level may blur. Checking in with them once in a while will help so that things don't get too awkward. I, I think at the very least, if you're having sex with someone for about five, six months, you should at least check in. I don't know. Is it, that's too much effort? When uh, you call somebody and they don't answer... And then they finally get back to you and they say, sorry, my phone was on vibrate. They're lying to you. (laughs) It's the number one excuse. 1,200 people were asked what their go-to excuse was when they get a call that they don't answer and they don't want to answer. That is by far the the excuse we all get. Really? Happens to me a lot in in the sense that I tend to have my phone either really low volume Mm. or on vibrate just because either napping sleeping or here at work right i have it on do not disturb uh overnight and when i'm on the air yeah uh and lots of times i forget to take that off right and people will get upset with me because they've been trying to get a hold of me and then finally i'll remember midday and i'll turn it on and i'll just get like just a fleet of things (laughs) showing up on my phone but uh we say that we also say i had a bad signal i was in a meeting i was driving i couldn't find my phone right yeah, I couldn't find my phone's a tough one. I mean, because normally we have our phones 
it's pasted to us now, mm. right? It's like permanently in our hand or pocket. I think we, a lot of us, though, and I know I'm guilty of this, I'll have it on me, I'll have it in my hand, and then I got to do something, so I put it down. And then I go and do whatever I got to do, and then I turn around and I forget where I've put it down, right. you know. And, and it's different now, too, because the expectation is that everyone has their phone on them and is ready to take your call. Yeah. Right? Like, it used to be... You used to call people blindly at their home number, not knowing if they were home or not. And so you'd leave a message. Now, you know, if someone doesn't answer their phone in two or three rings, Mm. we're immediately frustrated. And and perhaps even thinking, well, why are they not taking my call? Are they blocking me? What the hell's going on? Yeah, and and the fact that, you know, now with call screening and call display and all that, it's it's not like you can miss it. Right. You know, it'll come up. uh, Lucky. Yeah. And then, so yeah, for you to say, oh, I didn't see it, I didn't get it, and that's all complete BS. I love people who leave you a message and say, call me back, right? <laughs> like, that's the whole message. Yeah. Like, call, like, you make me drag myself through a voicemail yeah. just to hear, call you back. I saw that you called. Yeah. I will call when I'm available. One of my great pleasures in life, I've slowly and almost completely given up on. I used to love leaving long-winded voicemail oh, messages. Yeah. I have I, now. I just basically hang up because nothing drives me crazier than when someone calls me back and I go, "Did you hear the message?" No, I just saw you called. <laughs> so I don't even bother now. I just hang up. I give up. You've all ruined that for me. I could go for days leaving a voicemail message. Uh, and the same with texting. Like when you see somebody's got your text, it's the same deal. If they, if someone doesn't text you back immediately, right? You know what what is what are you doing that someone? Especially important? if you've got like like iMessage on yeah. your iPhones, or you can tell that they've read it. I get the little double check. Yeah, yeah. like oh you oh you've looked at it. <laughs> what is taking you so long? Yeah, or like even with iMessage, it'll show you that they're typing. Yeah, right. Like you get a little bubble there. Yeah. Like what? What is the message <laughs> that you're sending me that's taking you this long to type? Yeah, and then it's K. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of weeks now until Halloween. Again, it's on the 31st, which is the Sunday. Why we can't just move it to the Saturday night? I do not know. Why can't it just be the last Saturday of every October? Anyhow, so with this uh, time of year, some of us like to start watching the scary movies again. And uh, I came across this earlier this morning. Interesting horror, horror movie facts. Okay. So, for example, in The Exorcist, it was the first horror movie ever to be nominated for a Best Picture Oscar, 1974. Really? Yeah, I don't think many scary movies, much like comedies. Right. They, they don't get the nod. True. Uh, the Oscars don't like them very much. Stanley Kubrick allegedly typed out all 500 of the all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy pages for The Shining. They typed it out, kept saying that. It was 500 pages? Yeah. Typed out all 500 of the all work and no Jack makes Jack a dull boy pages. Wow. And on a typewriter. He's intense. That Stanley was intense. <laughs> Psycho is the first American film to show a toilet on screen and the first you can hear a toilet flushing. Wow. Yeah. And to this day, still one of the scariest scenes in a movie. It really, it really holds up. It's amazing. That shower scene to this day. Um, the last scene in Carrie, 
where Carrie's hand erupts from the grave. Mm. Don't want don't want to spoil it for anybody. Okay, yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> That's right. The hand is Sissy Spacex because she was adamant about doing her own hand work. Oh, she had okay. to be buried underground to do it. <laughs> That's that's commitment to the heart. That is. You know, I've seen that movie uh, quite a few times. I read the book, all of that. Every time I've seen it, that damn hand coming out of the ground at the end always gets me. Did you Have you heard, by the way, you know that whole Gabby Petito, the missing yeah. uh, tra- traveler in the States, and the boyfriend missing as well? Right. You haven't heard from him in like a month? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess like there's this online thing. Going on, where like the, all these online little people sure. investigating it or whatever, they're they're gonna find them, right? Um, and some are saying that like in his parents' backyard, there's a flower bed that's just unused. There's nothing coming okay. out of it. Yeah. And every Uh-oh. now and then on Google Earth, they'll see his mom go out to that flower bed, and they've seen a hand come out. Oh, out for of it. crying out loud! Some, <laughs> somebody's watched Carrie too many times. That's wild. Um. Steven Spielberg was convinced that his DVD copy of Paranormal Activity was haunted because his bedroom door locked by itself. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. The iconic Buffalo Bill dance in The Silence of the Lambs (laughs) was not originally in the script, even though it was in the book. Ted Levine, who played Buffalo Bill, insisted on including it to help explain the character. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Puts the lotion into the basket. So, like he, I've seen him in a couple of other movies, but you cannot get Buffalo Bill. Oh, no, it's forever. It's just absolutely trademarked as that now. He was also a creepy, crazy truck driver in a movie, I think, called Jigsaw that was really good. Yeah, he's good at the crazy guy. And there's a terrific example. We were just talking about the Good Samaritan earlier. Right. You know, that poor woman, had she not gone to help him with that damn couch? (laughs) Uh, The shark in Jaws doesn't appear in full until one hour and 21 minutes into the movie. The mechanical shark that was built rarely worked while filming, so the scenes were limited. Yeah, and... and and it worked out to be like a great mistake, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the trying to use this mechanical shark, all the footage looked so bad mm-hmm. that apparently they just had to kind of just throw it all out. But the fact that you didn't see it yes. and just the music represented the shark, what did it made it that much like freakier for everybody? There's a great documentary on Netflix called "The Movies That Made Us," and they'll take four or five very classic films and explain how it got produced and the behind the scenes stories. And I was watching yesterday the making of the original Halloween. And same kind of idea. What made Mike Myers and Halloween so scary is there's all those these moments, and I forget because I haven't seen it in a very long time, but there's all these moments where you just see Mike standing. Yeah. Like he's behind not doing some, anything. He's behind some laundry, you know. And and the I guess it was decided during the filming of it that you weren't going to see uh, a lot of the actual gore. Uh, because the guy who produced it loved those old theater of the mind radio things okay. where, you know, your imagination would make you yes. m- far more afraid than th- anything they could do. So, like, when a girl would close a closet door and you'd see him in the mirror behind yeah. her and then she'd just scream. And Yeah. So well, and, and that's – and, like, so many things. Like, the gore, when you watch it in a, in a horror film, you can say, oh, okay, well, that's not ever going to happen. Right. That's, that's, that's too fake. That's right. fake. That's fake. And then you just see someone lurking there. <laughs> It's the worst. And outside your window. And all of a sudden, you look out your own window and yeah. you go, oh, okay, wow, that could happen. Yeah. Remember how creepy I got with my night vision goggles at your place? <laughs> <laughs> that was just a phase I was going through. Yeah. yeah. Wes Craven did not like the ending of A Nightmare on Elm Street. He wanted it to end with Nancy killing Freddy, 
But the studio wanted an ending that teased a sequel. Right. The compromise was the end, as we know, was the convertible with Freddy's stripes. The Blob, the old classic movie, is based on a supposedly real incident that happened in the 1950s in Philadelphia. Police officers came across a purple jelly-like mass that they saw fall from the sky. But then it vanished. Even the FBI was involved and a, pe- a press conference was held. Huh. So, somebody yelling in the hallway? Right. What's going on? <laughs> An actual witch was hired as a consultant for the craft to make it more realistic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, uh, are your boys at all interested in the scary movies? I know my niece, who's now 16, from about the t- age of 12 or so, right. she really got into the scary movies. Uh, they're always pushing the limit, right. right, of what they're allowed to watch and what they you know, can watch, want to watch. Mm-hmm. And we're mostly kind of holding things back because... You know, I don't want the sleepless nights. Sure. <laughs> and when it comes to, I, I know, I know it's going to end badly. Yeah. Who do, you, who do you think can handle it better, Christian or Evan? Who who gets more freaked out and scared? I don't know. Yeah. I, I think, I think Evan will be more vocal about being freaked out. Right. Christian will just, you know, lie with his eyes open in his room quietly. <laughs> Which will freak you? Out. <laughs> Which will freak me out? Or yeah, just stand at the end of my bed. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> I can Working tell there. you the amount of times I woke up to David just standing there staring. <laughs> what? What? It's so weird. It's a weird kid thing. Uh-huh. How are you guys on porn for the children? <laughs> I'm just thinking towards Christmas. Okay. The average person will eat thirty-five thousand cookies. In their lifetime. Wow. That's yeah. a lot of cookies. In a short lifetime. Yeah. I'm probably average. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm average in most areas and probably that one as well. <clears throat> 35,000 cookies. Yeah. yeah. Is that a cookie a day? What does what that work out I don't to? know. Well, 365 days a year times how many years in your life? Yeah. Yeah. Don't know. Minnesota. Well, who eats one cookie when they eat a cookie? Too? Well, that's true. You gotta eat a whole row. Right. I mean, it's rude to leave a, <laughs> a row. Yeah, sure. All right. Okay. You know, because when you open it up and you look in, if there's one cookie sitting uh-huh. in the row, that's rude. Right. Okay. Half a row. <laughs> uh, Minnesota. This is odd. They have a law banning contests where people try to catch greased pigs or turkey. Okay. Yeah. That's a specific law That's for that? Law. You can't be greasing up a pig and chasing it down. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Wasn't that your nickname in college? <laughs> greased pig. They had a greased pole. I saw that one. Long, long story. I saw that at a, a show one night. Horses can't throw up. Their bodies aren't built to do it. Really? They cannot throw up. Okay. Barry White was a gang member as a teenager, but after he went to jail, he heard an Elvis song on the radio and decided to try to get into music. Really? Yeah. Coca-Cola wanted to raise their prices from five cents a bottle in 1953. So they asked the U.S. Treasury, Treasury Department to start making a 7.5 cent coin. <laughs> the Treasury Department said, no, we're not doing that. So they made it 10 cents. That's right. They raised their price to 10 cents. There's a spot in the Pacific Ocean called Point Nemo that's 1,670 miles from any land, which means it's so remote that the nearest humans are usually in space. Wow. Yeah. 
William Shatner saw it. Yeah. <laughs> it's all that point Nemo. I can't believe it. They found Nemo. Uh, the birthday number effect. Have you ever heard of this? It's a psychological phenomenon where people prefer the numbers in their birthday over any other numbers. So, if say, you're picking your lucky numbers. Oh, right. Yeah. You, like, for me, it's my birthday is 24, so I'd like two or four. But I don't. I, you know what my favorite number is? What? 15. Why? I don't know. When I played sports, I always was number 15. Always requested that. What sports did you play? Uh, tiddlywinks. <laughs> you, you had number jerseys for tiddlywinks? I played soccer okay. and I played hockey. I did actually play hockey. You did? I didn't get into it till later in life because uh, the Venn family weren't uh, rolling in cash. Right. And so we couldn't afford it. I think I picked it up when I was 18. Okay. It went well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you see it every now and then. Like mm-hmm. a learned adult learned to skate and learned to hockey. Buddy of mine took up hockey like in a beer league in uh-huh. his forties. Yeah. No, had never played in his life. It's good for the exercise. It's one of those things, you know, we were doing the hundred hole hike, uh, and that was great. It was raising funds for uh for kids to get introduced to golf. And I know that Canadian Tire has their their program yep. that puts money together to to bring kids into hockey. But Jumpstart. Jumpstart, yeah, but it's uh, it is one of those those things that boy it's a real social standing thing and it can be i think even nowadays maybe more embarrassing for children who can't play hockey just due to the finances yeah. of it you know when i was a kid i remember my parents couldn't afford it till i was about 12 or 13 i think when they could finally pull the cash together for me to play and i probably played for three or four years um but I just remember, like, all the guys in my school with those cool hockey coats, with the leather sleeves and the yeah. felt front. And, you know, if they had a girlfriend or something, their girlfriend would wear the coat. The Letterman jacket. Yeah, and it was like, and I used to just tell people, I have no interest in playing hockey because it was it would be embarrassing to say, oh, no, I'm, our family can't, can't afford, afford it. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that's why I disagreed with what they've done this time around changing tryouts from uh, the spring to the fall is in my opinion they've made it even more limiting mm. because already you've got an expensive sport mm. and now you've you're forcing families to try and find ice time in August and spend more money yeah. to try and get your kid ready for tryouts in September it's just it's making the sport even more limiting and that's going to another level i'm talking about just affording house league right you know yeah. for kids who can't even well there's like that. you know and it comes down to you know things like equipment you know, skates and sticks now, yep. especially the sticks. The carbon is so much more expensive. Yep. Yeah. Now, I remember, too, well, when David started playing, there was, um, I guess, like Play It Against Sports and other places where Still you could are, get some yeah. used gear. Because I was talking to Katie about this because they just had to suit up her, their son, Jack, who's four or five. And I said, well, all this new equipment you bought this year, you're going to need new again next year because yep. he's going to be bigger. I said I would certainly when they're that young I would go through used stuff. I for think sure. we, we even I think we borrowed some equipment for David because I wasn't going to lay out all this money if he wasn't going to be into it. And I've handed down everything. <clears throat> yeah, I, yeah. I just find other kids who are interested in getting to play. There's you know things like their opportunity charities charities like that you know, who accept equipment to try and give it to communities in need. Right? Yep, no, for sure. Uh, In 1989, Blockbuster was growing so fast that a new store was opening every 17 hours. Wow. At its peak in 2004, there were 9,094 stores and employed around 84,000 people around the world. Today, there's only one. Yeah, and and that documentary is awesome. It's great. Bend, Oregon is where you'll find the one and only Blockbuster and that woman who still runs it. It's You know, it's been gone now. 
to the point where if you talk to any young people, like I'll occasionally, you know, when you go to the grocery store and they say, how will you pay? Right. Sometimes I'll go with hugs and kisses and then we all have a giggle. <laughs> or I'll say my blockbuster card. Yeah. And if you got a young person buying the cash, they look at you like, what the hell's a blockbuster card? Uh, no clue. No. And I mean, today being a Friday, right? It used to be like a Friday night tradition. That was it. Right. Oh, new releases. Pizza and mo- new movies. And you get the popcorn right there at Blockbuster. Yeah. Yeah. You'd go in there and drop $45. Right. It was great. Like, we would go in a couple of movies. My boys, every Friday night we did this because Maria was working. By the time, you know, it started off with we'll rent two movies and go home. Yeah. It's two movies. Can we rent a game? <laughs> yeah. I got I to gotta pay I gotta pay the late, late fees from the movies I just returned from right. a week ago. You know, can we get a couple of bags of chips? Can we get this? Can we get that? I remember going to, like, birthday parties or sleepovers, and you'd rent the gaming system. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, we're going to rent a PlayStation. Oh, yeah. When I was 15, I think, we rented a VHS machine for my birthday. <laughs> I'd have four people carry it in the house. <laughs> my father threw out his back. It was not good. Um, scientists estimate that there's only, that only 5 to 10% of cancer is caused by genes. A lot of times, you know, we think, oh, I'll be, hopefully I won't get cancer because it's not Red in my family. in the system, yeah. Yeah, no, cancer mostly comes from a combination of our environment, lifestyle, chance, chance and getting older. But, of course, a bad family history of cancer is a risk factor. But, yeah, it's more often just your lifestyle and such that... I uh, I did a chat in the in the Rock Zoom room, uh, and you can see it online on the videos page of the Rock FM with with Lakeridge Health. We were running their cancer fundraiser again yeah. uh, right now, and and you know we all talk about this like ninety eight percent stats are, are are so important to everyone when it comes to medical yep. stuff right now. One in two is you know your odds of getting cancer. Is right that now. what it is? It's, eh? it's not, like one in two people will be will have cancer in their lives. Phyllis Smith, who played the older motherly woman on The Office, was once an NFL cheerleader. She cheered for the Cardinals back when they were in St. Louis in the 1970s. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And finally, there's a McBoat McDonald's location in Germany, which has a float through instead of a drive through. You paddle up to a dock, place your order. And it's brought out to you by the staff. Wow, I could see that. I, and McDonald's would be the one I would assume just because, yeah. you know, they mastered the drive through before everyone else did. I hope it's in Hamburg. <laughs> <laughs> Rock Mornings with, with Craig, Craig Venn and Lucky. Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.